Zipzar Podcast presents Zipzak Daddy. Yeah, I know no one gives a fuck. That's cool. I'm cool with that. I'll get over it. And this particular cast would probably annoy the 66% of the 100% of people listen to me. The three of you that listen, I might lose two of you. So be it. Mr. Axel brought me on, and we call it the fact that he experienced because it's supposed to reflect, I guess, in some way, shape, or form, the POV of the construct of the observer that is currently known and will probably be known hereafter as Thack Daddy. So, I'm going to touch on several elements that have been in my psyche in the last week and a half or so. I did see the Black Panther movie. I did enjoy it. But again, I enjoy things a little differently from everyone else. So, I'm not certain if I'd recommend it per se, but I do think it was good. But I have my own reasons. Your conclusions as you're observing it may be totally fucking different. And I might touch on Coco a little bit. So, I'm just going to bring up a few things. Quote a few things. Because that's what I like to do. Um, here's one I'd like to quote because I thought it was really interesting. Don't you sometimes wish there were someone out there who would understand you? Who would know exactly how you're feeling and understand it just as you experience those feelings? Without any exchange of words? Yet you could maybe just hold hands, look off into the distance without saying a single thing. And you'd be able to read each other in your entirety. And that's a quote from Kenneth on page 150 of Introvert Power by Lori Helgo. Why did I bring that up? I think more often than not, all we really want to do is connect. And the way we go about it is more of connecting to our ego. And there's nothing wrong with ego. I know there's a lot of detractors of ego. But... The quintessential issue regarding ego is that it does not allow us to perceive with full clarity. Why am I mentioning this on a podcast for Black Panther? A, because I'm the fucking fact daddy. And B, because when you're looking at human interactions, you always have to take into account how an individual's ego is impacting their perception of the interaction and how they allow that perception to guide their choices which ultimately can either hurt or hinder others as well as themselves so as it regards black panther there are elements in the movie that touch on the historical genocide of african americans and the curveball for me was the acknowledgement that you have this hidden nation that fronts itself as a third world country when in fact it is one of the world's wealthiest nations and has the most technologically advanced civilization on earth and one of the reasons 
I found it interesting is because the conflict generated within the story is a familial conflict. I feel like it's a story about family, and I feel like it touches on the varying levels of family. For example, you have your immediate family, then you have your extended family, and then you have the human family. I mean, it could touch even further based on the family of all organisms interacting, but quintessentially, it, it touches on the primary three, which is immediate, extended, and overall. So immediate is like your mom, your dad, siblings. Extended is like your cousins. And then, branching off from there is the entire species. So, I, I'm i not too interested in giving away plot points. I'm more interested in delving into ideas and concepts. So, conceptually, the pain that is generated from differing viewpoints that do not find resolution. And, again, the ego interceding in an individual's choice makes it difficult for them to have the clarity to move forward with a more positive and insightful deduction and I think that when it comes to pain ultimately we see throughout many stories that we often fruitlessly attempt to resolve suffering to assuage pain by inflicting suffering on others and that statement might seem silly to some but what it really means is you've experienced the pain and you see no resolution to that pain and you begin to feel that the only way that that pain might leave you or might leave your life as a dominating factor of your existence is to take a course of action um, usually that course of action relates to a form of vengeance whereby you feel you exact justice on another individual now the funny part about that particular statement is that justice really doesn't exact vengeance on individuals. Uh, individuals come up and may not even come in the form of anything that is visibly relevant, meaning they may have money, they may have access to sexual encounters with whoever they like, they may be able to eat whatever they like, go whatever they like, and do it whatever they like. However, within the confines of their psyche, which you technically don't really inhabit that individual is the most tormented or sad and miserable person on the face of the earth so the aimless pursuit of trying to retrieve or get back something that can never be retrieved that is ultimately the heart of vengeance and when individuals who have suffered unbearably seek vengeance, they transmute themselves from what they wanted to be or what they thought that enacting vengeance would bring to them, which would be justice and peace, to being exactly what they loathed and hated about their experience, that someone could do what they did to them, so they feel, I can do the same. And the thing is, I'm not pushing an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind agenda. What I'm stating unequivocally 
is that you're not going to retrieve what the vengeance is supposed to bring back to you. You will not get a sense of peace or justice. You will just want more vengeance. You will see that others are involved. It just grows. And it doesn't grow in a healthy way. Because vengeance embodies a sense of distorted idealism. Like, when you love someone so blindly that you become devastated when their flaws come to light, you have to realize that each and every person is working from their level of conscious awareness in the world. And even within a framework of having what could be evaluated as a high level of consciousness, we are still human. We are still flawed. We still need to be loved and understood. And even if one is fully justified in exacting vengeance, the fruits of that labor don't bear healthy fruit, so to speak. There's a certain taint and a twist and a distortion and you get sentiments of superiority and sentiments of the value of your existence is, has more weight and, and is more powerful and more meaningful than another's existence. And this is false. This is not true. We are all going to die. No existence has any more weight to it than any other existence. Because I'm larger than an ant doesn't mean I am more relevant. Of course, other human beings would say I'm insane. But they'd be missing the quintessential point that all life lives and all life dies. So, whether you live a thousand years or you live a week, life has its own processes, its own cycles, and we're not fully cognizant of them. Anyway, what this has to do with Black Panther will be apparent while you see the film or if you just decide to look up Wikipedia or if you talk to anyone. I saw the film and these things are pertinent to the story in that the Black Panther had a sense of idealism towards his father who was a king. If anyone knows anything about kingdoms, they know that running a kingdom is a very difficult undertaking. It is not something that can be undertaken lightly because an entire civilization and its functionality and survival is predicated on your ability to make very well thought out, potent decisions that impact the lives of millions of people. And of course that ideal isn't lived up to, isn't met. And of course the actions that violated that ideal in the eyes of the Black Panther lead to the entire crux of the plot and story. Which is why I'm discussing the issues I'm discussing. And as it regards technology, I thought this was a pertinent quote from Alan Watts page two of his psychotherapy east and west text and it states 
but it is increasingly apparent to psychotherapists that the normal state of consciousness in our culture is both the context and the breeding ground for mental disease. A complex of societies of vast material wealth bent on mutual destruction is anything but a condition of social health. You can just digest that however you like. I think it's very well stated and I concur. And another page to Alan Watts quote, this time from the text, The Wisdom of, uh, the Wisdom of Insecurity. Excuse me. The ego self constantly pushes reality away. It constructs a future out of empty expectations and a past out of regretful memories. That's also pertinent to the story because the past impacts the present in that the individuals construct a future out of empty expectations, expecting a different outcome by behaving in ways that always lead to the same outcome. And yet their past is just a construct made of regretful memories, behaviors and antics and none of that allows an individual to live in a present moment. You're transfixed by time, whether it's the past or an illusory future, never actually keeping your psyche or consciousness in the present moment and thereby lacking the ability to accept what is and move beyond it by embracing that acceptance. Does it, To accept a present moment doesn't mean I'm not going to work hard, I'm not going to get a job, I'm not going to take care of my kids, I'm not going to do this and that. It doesn't facilitate a withdrawal from existence. Ultimately, you cannot withdraw from existence. You exist, you are, you are life. Even when you cease to be, you become part of the greater fabric. You just can't see it, and you're not conscious of it. That does not mean it's not occurring. Something else I thought was interesting is again the notion of enduring the notion of perpetuating something in this world that gets to the point where an individual really believes they can take all their wealth and power with them to the grave this is from page 8 of Josh Corder's unsubscribe and it's stating some Buddhist tenets, and it goes like this. Eventually, everything in the world is swept away. Nothing endures. The world is not safe. It offers no shelter nor anyone to provide lasting protection. Nothing in the world is ever truly owned, for when we die, we leave behind everything. The world isn't enough to satisfy a mind lusting for things. So, sometimes things don't come in the form of just objects. They come in the form of retribution. They come in the form of wanting others to be subservient. They come in many different forms. What I'm trying to get across is, within the framework of the story, the conflict generated and the resolution attempted by the Black Panther, for me, for a Marvel film, I thought was actually fascinating, um, in particular because it demonstrated a conflict issue within himself, both in the realization that his father was not a perfect being, 
and in the realization that when you make choices, you have to consciously go against the grain in that if you have a decision to make and it is not one that is popular or embraced by everyone else, but it is a decision that would move people forward to sharing more love and embracing who they truly are instead of who they perceive themselves to be within the confines of ego and fear, they would experience a greater liberation. So, yes, I derived all that from watching Black Panther. But again, as someone once said, you are the mirror, so you see whatever within yourself reflected in whatever you observe. So, maybe I went too far. But since I'm sort of, technically speaking, the construct of me, I don't think I went far enough. In that regard, it's a pretty cool movie. It's interesting. I mean, it does have that classic Marvel wrap-up. And considering the weight and nature of the story, my only quintessential issue was the sense of time as far as what's happening, when it's happening, how it's happening. And I mean that very specifically. Like, how many days did this last? Like, some people are very good at picking that up when observing films. I'm terrible at it. Um, It did seem seamless. It did flow well. The actors performed well. The action scenes were good. The hero's inner turmoil is reflected externally in the turmoil he's made to suffer. The conflicting family issues. Those are always interesting, so I have a few other things to say, and some of them are as follows. The frailties of our common humanity are exacerbated by our pains and fears, which wedge themselves between us, enabling the most horrific behaviors we engage in, all in the name of freeing us from fear that cannot be overcome with vengeance or violence. Ideals versus realities abound, yet ultimately it takes a greater will and insight to overcome hatred and avarice in order to create cracks in the cycles of self-loathing and vindication that we so wish to indulge in to assuage our pains. Pain is a vital part of life as our failure and struggles. The dispensing and doling out of pain and suffering to heal pain and suffering do not heal them but merely propagate and produces more pain and suffering our greatest fear is to love because love requires acceptance love requires vulnerability and it requires something many of us lack and will never have because of our desire for control and that's true faith I don't mean it in a religious context. I mean taking a leap of faith and actually trying to break cycles and change behaviors that are both self-destructive and destructive to the external world. And since everything's connected, your self-destruction and your engaging in behaviors that are self-destructive impacts the world in unseen ways that you're not even aware of. So,
thought it was a cool movie. And yes, I love Erased. I think Erased is fucking amazing. I thought Steins Gate was fucking amazing. I'm, I'm still thinking about Steins Gate. I loved it. I was going to go into another anime, but I decided to go to the movies. And I did find Black Panther very enjoyable. So, that's pretty much uh, where I'm coming from. Because it's interesting also, just in a historical context, in that what tends to happen with the colonized is they adopt and then perpetuate the colonial master's mentality and in essence become the colonizer and the subjugation of the thought processes of a people I think is far more horrific and violent than even physical subjugation because mental subjugation allows itself to be perpetually reproduced throughout generations and it takes on the infectious and negative impacts of a colonial mindset beyond a time period extending across generations and jeopardizing this particular species form habitation meaning you know we're humans we keep making more humans i don't think the planet would go anywhere but we might um so we get to make choices and hopefully those choices are intelligent and thoughtful and caring but a lot of times they're fucked up and we fuck up I know I fuck up all the time and sometimes I do wonderful great things and sometimes I can get beyond my ego and actually be a caring person instead of an asshole but we all have those moments but each moment is a chance to choose differently think differently and be different a similar thing with Coco I'm not gonna go crazy talking about Coco but Coco connects to family and again, you have an, an individual in the story who is um, incredibly egotistical to the point where they don't care who they hurt, how they hurt them, and why they hurt them. They don't care what is destroyed in order to satiate their ego. They, they, they cannot be fed. Its hunger is bottomless. And while at times in life that type of drive can get you to succeed on an external level beyond anyone's wildest dreams, that bottomless pit of emptiness and self-loathing that exists within you will never go away. And you see that even within the story Coco. And you also see an individual who's willing to stake his entire existence on being himself and following his dream. And you also find out that he's connected to someone who was the same way. Uh, it's very well done. The animation is amazing. The voice acting is very good. And the emotional resonance and the humanity of the story are definitively there. And if you haven't seen it, I would definitely recommend it. Of course... You might have some issues ascertaining what I'm saying, but I think that everything is readily apparent when you're observing the story. You'll see egos at play. You'll see fear at play. And you'll see that when you're willing 
to be vulnerable and take the risk, even if it's a risk that could jeopardize your very existence. The impact for good and for better usually is just so phenomenally beyond words what it can do. And we've seen it before in this world, not very often, but we've seen it before when people are willing to take insane risks, not like climbing a mountain or jumping out of a plane, but an insane risk like caring about another human being and being vulnerable to what happens when you do care. That's the most insane risk you can take in this world. So... I'm the motherfucking fact daddy. And that's what I got for this week. And I'm going to be honest and really tell you I don't know what the fuck I'm going to talk about next week or from here on. I might touch on movies. I might touch on books. I might talk about art. I might talk about Funko Pops and how it sucks that it's so hard to get the Yondu Pop from Target because that's whack. Who knows? Um, I'm moody and my consciousness fluctuates as do my interests and moods because I'm moody but I appreciate each and every human being for listening to my shit because it's cool that you would take time out of your existence to listen to some of my shit and also again like to thank Axel for Extending the offer for me to share my points of view on shit. Apparently it amuses him enough that he thought I should do this podcast. So, much love to everyone. Be safe with all the crazy weather. Just went through a nor'easter with big winds. Sucked ass. I'm alive. People I love are alive. I'll take what I can get day to day. It's all good. Peace out, and I'll be talking about some shit next week, and you'll know what it is when you listen. Take care. Bye.